This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. We're in the studios of Nebraska Christian School, and in the studios today, we have Joe Malarkey. Joe, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Joe is the youth pastor at the Monroe Evangelical Free Church between Aurora and Central City, and have a great ministry there. And before we get into your message, Joe, I wanted you to talk a little bit about what your plans are for the summer with the youth you're working for, and maybe just some of the exciting things you see in working with youth right now. Sure. This summer, we're planning to go to the National Youth Conference for the Free Church. It's in Kansas City in July, so we're really looking forward to that. It's the first time this church is, uh, at Monroe has attended the conference, so uh, hopefully we get a good buzz going and get some excitement toward that. As far as uh, working with students goes, I love seeing kids being discipled and just see them catch that passion for Christ. And we've got a core group of students that I work with right now, real hands-on, and we're teaching them to make disciples who make disciples and reach out to their groups where they're at, whether it's a basketball team or a speech team or a cheerleading squad. So it's been neat to see them have a love for their, their friends and their fellow students and then share Christ with them. Joe, today's message, it seemed it seemed pretty important to you, something that that's been, you've been thinking about here recently, and I guess I'm just curious why you chose to bring that message about being in Christ to the kids this morning. I think one of the big things that our students and, and any, any Christian struggles with is their identity. We get caught up in, in labels that, uh, you know, we're a successful business person or a, a good athlete or a good musician. And while those things are good and they can be good gifts, we forget a lot of times that we're in Christ and that is our primary identity. And positionally, we're just so secure in Christ. And then that kind of helps everything to flow out of our lives. And I know in my own life, I have to preach the gospel to myself every day because I forget who I really am in Christ and what everything that Jesus has done for me. And so I figured something to share from my life that can uh, help a student and just be on the journey together. With that, let's join Joe with today's message. The summer of 2012, we were at the National Youth Conference for the Free Church, and Greg Gilbert presented a series of workshops called What is the Gospel? And so I took our group to these series of workshops, and we were just eating it up. We were loving it, this, this dialogue about what the gospel is and how it plays into your life every day. And it's not just a one-and-done type of thing, but the gospel continues throughout your life. And I was loving this. I'm like, man, this guy should write a book. And he did before that, and so then I read the book, and I was like, this is great. So if you ever get a chance to read Greg Gilbert's book, What is the Gospel? Yeah, I would highly recommend it. It is a book that uh, impacted my life and really set me on, on a path of where we're going to head this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to talk through a theme that has been coming up in my life over the last 18 months over and over and over again, and it is all about identity. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're going to read a few verses there, but before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word and that you speak truth to us through it. Pray that it would impact our hearts. Uh, Lord, we'd understand what our identity is. Um, Father, we'd be encouraged this morning by the fact that uh, you've done so much for us. Now you sent Jesus to give his life as a ransom for ours, to redeem us, to buy us out of slavery, to fix a broken relationship, and to make us new. Lord, may we dwell on that. May you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. October 10th, 1998 is a very important day in my life. It is not uh, my birthday. I was born in uh, May 27th of 1984, so I was about 14 years old when October 10th, 1998 rolled around. When this rolled around, we're going to this. I grew up in Illinois, okay? I don't know if you guys know where that is. It's east, okay? A couple states east, all right? Illinois. Illinois always had this big fall, uh, like, youth outreach type thing. We'd all go to this, like, camp convention center. And the reason why, when I had just started going to church, I had a friend invite me. Uh, we're in the middle of a cornfield detasseling. Anybody detassel? Anybody? It's the worst job in the world. I don't know why anybody want to do that. They pay you, like, minimum wage to go and work your tail off. Like, in the morning, you get up. And it's cold because there's dew all over, so you got sleeves and you got rain gear on, all this stuff. And then you get all wet, and by 9 o'clock it's 90 degrees and you're, you're baking. It's terrible, okay? So they pay me $5 an hour to walk through a cornfield. And I'm, I'm walking through this cornfield with my friend. He's like, hey, Joe, why don't you come to youth group with me? And I'm like, well, what's youth group? And he says, well, uh, we, we, we talk about the Bible um, and we play games and we eat snacks. All right, games and snacks, I'm there. I don't know what you said the first time, but games and snacks. So I started going to this youth group. And it was exactly, I mean, he, he sold it to me just like that. Bible game snacks, all right? And that's what it was, Bible game snacks. Every Wednesday night for an hour and a half, Bible game snacks, Bible game snacks. And then they're like, hey, we're going to go to this, this, this outreach. I don't even know what an outreach is. Are we going to uh, reaching out, hugging? I don't know. But uh, I was told there's flag football, all right, I'm in. Uh, there's food, good, and uh, there's some Bible. All right, so we've got flag football and food and some Bible. So I go to this, okay, and I'm there for flag football and food. And so we do this flag football tournament. You know how we are. I'm 14 years old. I'm going to be a freshman in high school, and my buddies are all about the same age, and so we all think, man, we are tough, okay? We're going to go in. We're going to roll this flag football tournament. I mean, I mean, we can run fast. We can catch balls. I mean, we're going to, it's going to be great, all right? And we get there, and there's like these 11th and 12th graders. They're like, uh, I'm going to step on you and crush you, okay? So needless to say, we did not do so well in the flag football tournament. Uh, so, you know, strike one, but then there's this food aspect, and I'll go in. And they've got this huge spread of food. You know what we had? We had cold hamburgers and cold french fries. And it was awful. All right? So like strike two. I'm like, why did I even come here? Well, in youth group, leading up to this, I had heard about Jesus. All right? I had heard that he is the Savior and I am the sinner. And that the only way for me to go to heaven is to have a relationship with Jesus. To ask him to come into my life, to save me from my sins, and to be my Savior. I'd heard it, i heard it, but all my friends had already done this. I didn't want to be the one guy that's like, I haven't done that yet, so I faked it, right? I mean, it's really easy to fake. Hey, do you know Jesus is your Savior? Yeah. Okay. All right. So no one really asked any more questions. Well, God had been pressing on my heart, all right? He's like, you know you're not here. You know this is not where you're at. This is not where you need to be. You know that Jesus is your Savior. You need to get over yourself and come to me. And so, so at this thing, at this, uh, this evangelistic outreach, we got this guy up there. I mean, he's yelling, he's screaming, he's talking fast, he's doing all this crazy stuff. He's telling us about Jesus and everything he went through. And that's where God says, okay, I'm going to take you, you're going to become mine today. And that is the day I accepted Christ. Christ became my Savior October 10th, 1998. And ever since then, I've been on a journey of trying to figure out Christianity. To try to figure out what it means to have this relationship with Christ. Because, you know, I read passages in this book like this. Here we go, verse 17 of of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. I mean, that, that sounds pretty, like, definite, right? Like, the old has passed, the new has come. It's done, it's over. I don't know about you, 
I, maybe you've been a, a Christian for, for 10, 5, 10, 15 years. Maybe, maybe you just became a Christian the last year or two, few months maybe, and maybe you're not there yet. There's three groups of people in this room. Either you've been a Christian for a while, you're a pretty new Christian, or you're not a Christian at all. Jesus is not your Savior, he, he, or He is your Savior, and He has been your Savior for a while. You're in one of these groups. And as I read this, it says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. Boom. It's done. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't feel that way all the time. I don't feel like the old has passed because Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 that, that the old man is anger, wrath, and malice, and slander, and lying. I don't know about you, but I still deal with a lot of that stuff. And then I'm supposed to put on this new man, this love, this kindness, this compassion, this gentleness. I don't always feel gentle, okay? I mean, someone rubs me the wrong way, and my first thought is to lash out with them in my tongue. You know, there's two types of people in this world, I really believe, okay? There's a type of people that when you go to bed tonight after getting into an argument with someone, you're thinking, man, I wish I would have said this. Who's that type of person, right? Anybody here? Like, I wish I would have said this. Or, man, I got that one right there. If if only I could have said that earlier. All right, that's not me. I'm the type of person that goes to bed at night after getting into an argument saying, I probably shouldn't have said that. I've got a quick tongue, okay? And sometimes my brain is not as fast as my tongue. And I don't get a chance to process and think through these things. See, it says the old has passed, the new has come, but I'm still dealing with the old. Does anybody relate to that? I mean, it's okay to admit it. This is a safe place. I know you're not perfect. Your teachers know you're not perfect. See, that's the beauty of the gospel. You are not perfect. But Jesus is for you. There's no way you can get rid of anger, wrath, malice, slander, lying, all these evil deeds. There's no way you can do it. I mean, that's part of the law. The the law was put into place to show you that you will fail. And when you fail, Jesus succeeds. And so here I am. It says the old has passed away and the new has come. What is this talking about? This is talking about your position. Your position is in Christ. 73 times Paul uses the phrase in Christ. If Jesus is your Savior, you are found in Christ. This is your position. It is like position on the basketball team or on the volleyball court or on the football field. You may be the running back, you may be the quarterback, you may be the safety, okay? You may be the forward, you may be, I don't know, volleyball, uh, the girl who hits stuff. I don't know, okay? That may be you. That is your position. That is what you are supposed to do. That is where you are. You have a certain place to be on the field, on the court at a certain time. And if you're not there, bad things happen. Everybody runs and nobody likes you, okay? That's just how things roll. Your position is in Christ. This is where you are. This is not talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Practice? Okay, here's the deal. Practice. When we talk about practice, we talk about things that you do in order to gain your position. How many of you guys are an athlete? Or you think you're an athlete? It's okay, Keegan. It's all right. Okay? You may be an athlete. You may. I love basketball. I love basketball. I love to play basketball. I'm in a basketball league with a bunch of friends from church, uh, and every week we got games. It's great. I am not gifted at basketball. 
okay? I don't score points. I run around, make people tired, play defense, and maybe grab a rebound. I'm short and I can't jump. It just it doesn't work out. Basketball is not my thing, but I love to play it, but I'm not gifted at it, okay? I would not be considered a basketball athlete, a basketball player, but I like to do it. In order to be a starter on the basketball team, you need to prove yourself in practice. I mean, this is how the world is set up. In order to gain a position, you need to prove yourself in practice. How many of you guys want to go to college? It's okay if you want to go to, I went to college, I don't regret it, college is good. Now, you may have heard from parents, from teachers, from, from counselors, from coaches that you need to be involved in programs and activities and all this stuff in order to get into the good, into good college. Because, I mean, it's, it's a dogfight out there. I mean, if you're not members of every club you can be members of, if you're not involved in every extracurricular activity, you better not even dream of going to college, okay? And that's what the world is telling us. I'm a youth pastor, and so I deal with, with students on a, on a weekly basis, and, and my students are crazy busy. There's no way I can plan an activity on a Saturday, because uh, on one given Saturday, we had girls basketball, boys basketball, we had speech, we had wrestling, we had cheerleading, and we had band. That wipes out like all my high schoolers. They're gone. They disappear. I don't know. And they show up on Sunday. They are so busy because they want to, to, to gain the position the, and, and the idea of being in the college of their choice. In order to gain your position, you have to practice. Your practice will determine your position. That's what the world says. It's the exact opposite with Jesus Christ. It's the exact opposite with Jesus Christ. You don't have to practice anything in order to gain your position. In fact, if you try to practice something in order to gain position, you will not gain your position in Jesus Christ because you are found in Christ, not by anything you can do or I can do or someone can do for you. It's solely because Jesus decided he loved you so much he was going to give his life. He was going to die so that you could live. And as you live, you are now in Christ. Will you say that with me? In Christ. Come on. In Christ. Say it. In Christ. You are in Christ. 73 times, okay? I, I was not always the, uh, the most obedient child, okay? I was not always the most obedient child. I probably still am not always the most obedient person anyway. And so, so my, my mom had to constantly repeat things to me. Joe, take out the trash, okay? Joe, take out the trash. Okay. okay, yeah. What did I say? Take out the trash. Yeah, I, I hear it. Right, Joe, take out the trash. Do you know why she repeated it? So I wouldn't forget and so I would actually do it, okay? 73 times Paul says you are in Christ. If Jesus is your Savior, this is where you are found. You are found in Christ. Colossians 3 again says, If then you have been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. If Jesus is your Savior, you are in Christ. So positionally, the old has passed away and the new has come. All this is from God. Wait, wait, wait. All this is from God. I didn't, wait. This is saying I didn't do anything. I didn't work for it. I wasn't a good enough person. I didn't go to church. Didn't go to Christian school. Didn't give money. Didn't help old ladies cross. All this is from God. Without the grace of God in your life, there is no hope for a relationship with God. Because here's what he does. All this is from God who through Christ reconciles us 
to himself. It's a big word. Let's say it. Reconcile. Ready? One, two, three. Reconcile. Does anybody know what it means? Yeah. It's one of those big old Bible words like redemption, reconciliation, ransom, all this stuff, right? You might know a ransom. I don't know. Reconciliation. It means to take what was broken and to fix it. The idea, how many of you guys have broken a bone? You broke a bone, okay? I broke my left wrist when I was in eighth grade, all right? I tried dancing. wasn't good, okay? All right? So I broke my left wrist, okay? My mom did not believe me. Does anybody have a mom like that? It's like, ah, oh, you're fine. You know, just, just, yeah, you'll be all right, okay? It's like, just go to school. You'll be fine. So I've got a broken wrist, all right? And I go to gym class, and I'm like, all right, we're going to do 50 push-ups. <sighs> no, I, I only have one arm, and I can't do push-ups with two, so it's, Okay? So I'm doing push-ups with my broken wrist, and it hurts, and it hurts, and it hurts. And finally I go home, and I say, Mom, there's something wrong. And so she takes me to the hospital, and we get an x-ray, and guess what? It's broken, and I never, ever, ever let her live that down. <laughs> well, how do they fix my wrist? They put a cast on it. And about six weeks later, my wrist, my, the bones in my wrist were fixed. So what was broken is now made right. This is reconciliation. And this is what God, through Jesus Christ, has done for us. He has taken what is broken. I mean, we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. I mean, we've got two chapters of awesomeness, and then it all goes downhill. And in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve decide, I, I'm done with you, God. I'm going to make myself High and lifted up, they sin and everything is broken. Not just Adam and Eve, everything. Creation is broken. I mean, look around the world. It's broken. People are sick and people are dying. And people, uh, I mean, there's earthquakes and there's tornadoes, there's natural disasters, all this stuff going on. The world is broken. And from that moment, about 15 verses after everything was broken, God says, I'm going to make everything new. I'm going to make it all right. I'm going to fix everything. Someone's going to come and is going to make everything right. And then we've got year after year after year, century after century uh, of, of people crying out, waiting for this to be made right. And all of a sudden this baby is born. And we're like, I don't understand. This baby grows up, lives this perfect life. Never once sin is completely obedient to the law of God, is betrayed, arrested, beaten, and killed for you. You see, Jesus didn't die on the cross, he died on your cross. He died on my cross. And when we understand that he became our substitute, he took our place, he died, the wrath of God towards sin is put on Jesus, and I now become what verse 21 says in 2 Corinthians 5, the righteousness of God. This is the greatest transaction in history. This is more than LeBron James making millions of dollars. This is more than uh, uh, Robinson Cano going to the Seattle Mariners for an uh, insane amount of money, because he's not that good. He's just not, okay? I'm not a baseball guy, but he's not that good, all right? This is the greatest transaction in history. Your debt was paid. Your bank account, you were in debt. You owed everything to God. Jesus comes, I'm going to wipe out that debt. Colossians says we, that, that on the cross, the record of our debt was canceled. 
It'd be like me taking my house and I have to make house payments every month. If I want to keep my house, I've got to pay for my house. That's just the way things work. But if one day someone stepped in and said, you know what? I'm going to take the debt that you owe on your house. I'm going to cancel it. You now owe nothing. You're free and clear. This is what Jesus has done. He took your sin, your shame, your wrath, your punishment, and he gives you his righteousness because you are in Christ. Big deal, right? So what? Well, here's what verse 20 says. You're an ambassador. You are an ambassador for Christ and God is making his appeal through you. Now, I, I get this, all right? So we got this, this, this wonderful gospel story, this good news. In order for news to be good, you need news to be bad, okay? Do you understand that? Like, unless there's bad news, there's really no good news, okay? Bad news, you're on a, a road to destruction. You're on a road to hell, okay? You're condemned because of your sin, because of your disobedience, Good news, Jesus steps in, takes that condemnation away, and makes you in Christ. And now you're an ambassador. I mean, how easy would it be for God to like write messages in the sky? You need Jesus. Jesus saves. He's a savior. He'll take away the sin of the world. It'd be pretty easy, right? I mean, God could have used a lot of different options and a lot of different ways to proclaim this good news, but he chooses to use you and me. Why? Because we are in Christ. And that makes us an ambassador, a representative of God. So you're going to leave here someday. You're going to leave. You're going to get all grown up. You're going to go off, get a big, a big boy, big girl job. I mean, you're going to be an adult. You are an ambassador then. But guess what? It doesn't start when you become an adult. You are an ambassador the moment you are in Christ. You are a representative of God. Your life ought to reflect Jesus. Not because it's going to gain you any position. Remember, practice does not dictate position with God. But because of what God has done now, we are overflowing with this idea of love and gratitude and service that we want to give our lives. Jesus gave his life for you and me. The least we can do, Paul would say, is now this life that we live in the flesh. We live for the Son of God who loved himself and gave himself for me. Our motivation is not to gain anything. Our motivation is not to be the best that we can be because we're going we're gonna to fall flat on our face. Jesus was already the best for us. And now what we do is we pour out our lives as ambassadors, as representatives. Paul would call himself a bondservant, a slave to Christ. So maybe Jesus is not your Savior. Maybe you don't know anything, you're not sure about this Christianity thing. It sounds pretty whack. You know, I understand. I was there. I was there. This morning you have an opportunity to say, you know what? I understand the gospel. I understand who I am. I understand who God is. And I understand that my only way for hope in the life to come is Jesus. And I want to be in Christ. You can make that decision. Or maybe you're a believer, you're a Christian, Jesus is your Savior, whether it's been for two days or 20 years. You can say, I am in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, I want my life to reflect Christ. 
I want to serve him. I understand my position and that my practice does not dictate my position, but because of my position now, I want to go out and practice. That can be your decision. Or you can do what I fear many people are doing and do nothing. You can do nothing. Whenever presented with truth, we have two options. We can run to or we can run from, and here you are with this option of Jesus. And you can run to Jesus or you can run from Jesus. And I, can't tell you what to, I can tell you what to do, but I can't make you do it. It's a decision that has to come from you. Now you have to decide whether or not I'm, where I'm going to run. I'm going to run to or I'm going to run from. You run to Jesus, you're going to be, you are found in Christ. You're going to become this ambassador. You're going to become this representative. You're going to go out and you're going to live. Your, and you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up a lot. And that's okay. Because Jesus was great enough to cover every mess up. Every single mess up. And so when you struggle with anger, wrath, malice, slander, evil thoughts, a lying tongue, Jesus knows. He doesn't love you any less. And when you're kind and compassionate, loving, gracious, merciful, and patient, Jesus knows. He doesn't love you anymore. Because once you are found in Christ, you are so secure. The love of God does not waver. And nothing can separate you from it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, for your word, for your love, and for Jesus. Thank you for giving us every spiritual blessing through your Son. I pray that you would help us to remember that for those of us who are in Christ, our position is secure. We don't have to practice in order to gain it. But Lord, because of our security, we want to give our lives in service to you. Help our motivations to be pure, pray that you would help us to dwell on this, not just today, but for the days to come. In your name, amen. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Joe Malarkey, the youth pastor at the Monroe Evangelical Free Church. Well, Josh, you've now been here for two years as a superintendent at Nebraska Christian Schools. I'm just wondering if you could share with our listeners some of the things that you're looking forward to this school year. Gordon, I am really excited. We have about 210 students this year, and they come from 28 different communities in Nebraska and six different countries from around the world. And that mix of students is tremendous. We get a chance to share biblical truth every day through math curriculum, through social studies curriculum, you know, through all of the curriculums, and really take the gospel message and and take what students are learning in their churches and in their families and really partner with with those homes and those churches. A lot of things planned for the kids. One of the things we're really focused on this year is how to help our kids become leaders, leaders in a, in a Christian school, leaders in their youth group, leaders in their churches. But, but I think where we're going to find our success is not, not kids graduating from high school, but what happens to them in college and after college. Are they leading their families? Are they being leaders in their churches? Are they continuing a, a close walk with Christ? Are they making disciples in their community? You know, that's really where we are trying to focus this year as we, as we prepare our students. So what's the best way for a parent or a prospective student to find out more information about Nebraska Christian schools? 
You can go to nebraskachristian.org, O-R-G, online. We also have a Facebook page. In the spring, we try to have a, a visitation day where we invite prospective students and their families, or even if they just want to know more about Nebraska Christian, to come onto campus for a day, take tours, see what some of the classes are like. Obviously, you can call us as well, but using our, our webpage, nebraskachristian.org, would probably be the best way. We have a lot of information on that page and other contact possibilities. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Mm -hmm.